Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Well, sometimes I get four or five different questions that are all in the same pile, so I know, okay, that subject's important. But other times, like today, I get one, one question, and it is interesting enough to me to where I say, you know something, I think I want to talk about this a bit. So it's Monday morning. We're going to keep this as light as we can. Uh, but a little bit of history that might interest you to look deeper into, or it might actually relieve you that you don't hold particular views. What are they? But not yet. First, if you look behind me, this is also a one-time thing, but I don't know how many other people wonder. I was recently on another uh, Welcome Home tour, and if you don't know what those are, it means that whenever there are three, four, five, or more people in an area, that are watching one or more of our Safe Harbor videos together or they're discussing them together. Uh, I do my level best to get out there and stay in a local hotel and have them come. I don't put anybody out. They can come to the hotel and we just meet and greet in the lobby or a meeting room there. So, all right, first time I was ever asked this, they said, now behind you, you've got three crosses on one side, but four on the other. Some of you are just now noticing that for the first time like me. And he said, what's the significance of that? And I said, the, the, I'll go look. The significance of this is that I collect Celtic crosses uh, and sometimes some others are given to me, but these made in Ireland and in Scotland, those are the ones that I collect. And my wife is an interior designer. So she took the crosses that I had and she put them up back there. We don't have an even amount, but they're also not of even size. Therefore, she grouped them like a designer would do, taking up about the same amount of space. And if I move a little bit here, you can see that there's a hanging banner of a cross there with Celtic drawings and zoomorphisms on it. That was actually made by our friends at Sky Boutique on the Isle of Skye, which is our ancestral home. So that's it. Right, now let's get to this. What about relics? Are you aware that, although there may be exceptions, the rule is that every altar in a Roman Catholic Church must have a relic in it? Well, maybe you didn't know that. And in fact, they even put them in something called a reliquary. Now, what are, what's a relic? A relic is a bit. It's a, it's, a, it's a part of a bone. It's a bit of flesh. It is a uh, part of cloth. It is something holy, venerated, and sacred because it either made up part of the body of a saint or it touched a body of a saint or it was somehow involved in a miracle. So why are we talking about this? Well, because I actually do think there's a lesson here. This all got started with Saint Helena. Saint wasn't her first name at the time. She was just Helena, but she was mommy to Constantine. Yes, that Constantine, the Roman emperor, 
who legalized the Christian religion. He did not, as many people say, make it the official religion of the empire. That was Theodosius later. But he allowed it to happen, and he also worked very hard in his life to make sure it was controlled, organized, predictable, and understood, which did horrific damage to Jesus' simple movement of faith, love, and serving each other. But there we are. So Helena was his mother. She was very, very devout. Uh, she was born sometime around 250 AD. She lived to about 330. But those last four years of her life in particular, she was on a mission. She was on a mission to find as many relics of Christ's life, his mother, the apostles, early faith as she possibly could. Now that was a, a, quite a challenge because there had been a 300 year gap by that time and people didn't save things, they reused them. If you read the history of Jerusalem, you will find that the buildings you see are made up of buildings that aren't there anymore. They grab them and reuse them. Why wouldn't you? Uh, in Scotland, we lived in a little flat above a shop in Dundonald, a small village in the southwest. We could look across and see the ruins of Dundonald Castle. Well, if you go to St. Dundonald Castle today, it looks a lot better because they've actually stacked some of the stones back up in an approximation of what it really looked like. But if you drove around Dundonald, you would see here are the ruins of a manor house. And you read the history of it and you find that it was made mainly with stones that originally had been part of Dundonald Castle. And then you go down the road a bit more and there is a house somebody's living in that's made out of stones from the ruined manor house that got its stones from Dundonald Castle. You see what I mean? You don't throw it away, you reuse it. You can find a thousand uses for a stick if you're a kid. You, you use these things. Here's the thing, the story is that she found a page, she was looking for the scene of Christ's crucifixion. And when she had guides to guide her, and some of them knew what they were talking about, almost none of them did, but some had some clues. You know, you've got a rich, very powerful woman coming into town, you're poor, and her, her son has the power of life and death over you, he did over his own family. He executed his own son. So you pay attention when she goes, I would like to know where these things are. Uh, what are you looking for? Well, it's a, it's a large bit of wood, uh, uh, like a cross. Okay, we can find one of those. No, no, I want it to be the true cross. And it's, it's always capitalized, true cross. Uh, and, it, and it needs to be the cross that Jesus was, was crucified on. Gotcha. We'll, we'll be right back with that. They found, they found a, a pagan chapel and she ordered it torn down. And the workers then brought her back to see this amazing thing. There were three crosses laying down here, just like in the story. Now that's the first story we get. So she collects the true cross. Um, little bits of it are eventually sold off given to pilgrims, taken to be part of other Catholic churches, you know, put in their reliquary. And, and frankly, there are enough pieces of the true cross right now to build several large sailing vessels. Because how can you tell? Shortly after this, by the way, there was another story that came out of it, just shortly after she died, a few years later, that um, she said, in the earliest story we have, 
that she identified the three crosses by the way they were laid down there. And it looked like what they'd been told, you know, the big cross in the middle with Jesus, these other crosses on the side for the thieves. But within years, the story was, no, that's not how she identified it. She identified it because there was a marker on it, Jesus, King of the Jews. Well, you gotta admit, that's a better story. So that you know, gave some more panache to this, some more uh, weight to it. And relics very quickly became a huge business. And they still are. I was just going over some prices. <laughs> Seriously, just going over some prices. You can buy um, a piece of flesh from Pope Pius X um, with papers, backing it up, it was his, because you know, papers prove it, for $350, which is quite the bargain. There's a bone shard of St. Patrick, doesn't have papers, it's going for $4.95. And then there is a vertebra of St. Redempta, a sixth century martyr. Now, there, there are papers and a papal wax seal on it and the like. Um, if you want a vertebra from a woman that was killed in the 500s, in case it might bless you, heal your sicknesses or the like. Um, it, I guess it's relative bargain at $2,500. And yeah, there are markets of these. And if you go to the Middle East, you will be offered these things. But all through Europe, for almost a thousand years, these things were sold and offered. And people would come out to see whenever the traveling priest would hold up this you know, a little bag, and in the bag was a feather from the bird that sang over Mary as she delivered Jesus. I'm not making this up. Anything and everything became a relic, and it would do things for you. In fact, um, I've got one here. Let's see. There's a church that has, an, there it is, uh, Renaissance Prince Albrecht of Brandenburg, had such a stock of saintly remains that a tireless pilgrim making his way to then and praying over all of these and being touched by them could have accrued a remission from purgatory. Wouldn't have to go because just touching these blessed them 39,245,000 120 years off their sentence in purgatory, which frankly is a lot of time if you believe in purgatory and you want to get out and who doesn't. All of this, I mean, it just, it goes on and on and on. There are, um, <clears throat> there's a chaplain in Connecticut. I don't want to say his name because I, I'm, I'm not here to make fun of individuals. I just want you to understand how big a business this still is. But he's in Connecticut. He's been collecting. He's got about a hundred holy curios and relics. A piece of the post Christ was whipped on. A chunk of Christ crib. Did you know Christ had a crib? Well, now you do. And you too can own a piece of it. Don't wouldn't it be amazing if we had like my pillow guy type commercials for relics? Would that not make your day? Well, until you'd seen it 500 times, like you do the my pillow. Anyway, um, you're going today. He has 10 pieces of the crew cross, true cross. 
He has relics of saints that he brings out on the saints' feast days to bless the people. Um, he says he wants to rescue all of these to keep them from falling into the wrong hands. Why do Catholics have a relic uh, in their altar? Well, they have to, according to the council in 787. The, uh, they, it was made canon law, is that right? Yeah, seven out of Nicaea, not the original Nicaean council, but the council of Nicaea in 787 ordered that a relic had to be at all altars. Um, very shortly, it was around the time of Constantine, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, Communion, however you want to refer to that, was morphed by force out of what it originally was. For a couple hundred years, it was what Jesus instituted and the apostles celebrated, which was just a fellowship meal where you also remembered Christ together. Two, so, so it's a fellowship meal and a celebration, and it was morphed into a funeral. And we're supposed to think of whips and nails. And one of, one of my first who told you about a couple years back <clears throat> was about communion. So you can go back and look at that if you want. Lord's Supper, Eucharist, uh, just keep Googling. By the way, some people have asked, they'll say, I can't find these. And they'll tell me where they're typing. <clears throat> if you're on a laptop or a desktop computer, it's easier, frankly. Um, YouTube's app is not wonderful. If you're on your phone, it's harder. But if you're on a laptop or your, your desktop, you don't type it in the top. You're on our page. The, what you do is you just go down a little bit. There's another box and another magnifying box. What that means is search this page only. Put it in there. <clears throat> it'll come right up. Now, grabbing bits and pieces of body and cloth and wood from caskets or ashes from the fire, this is still very common in some cultures, mainly in the Middle East. If, do you remember the funeral of Ayatollah Khomeini, the super, super far-right Muslim cleric who inspired people, like Osama bin Laden later, who took over Iran and they took the hostages. Do you remember all of that? When he died, do you remember, and you can go back and find the video of this, as they're taking his coffin through the streets, people are trying to grab bits off of him, body bits, as well as pieces of cloth, so that they can hold it and venerate him forever. Still common. If you think, how bizarre. Well, we still go to graveyards and look down at a plot, or we still have ashes in an urn somewhere. Is it wrong? No, it's understandable. It is. Uh, you do what you need to do to grieve and to remember somebody, great. But do these have any magic curative properties. <clears throat> will they bring you will they bring you healing? Will they get you out of purgatory faster? Will they make your superpower supercharge your prayers, which is really another thing the relics are supposed to do. Is if you pray holding a piece of cloth from Jesus's crib that, you know, God's got to hear you because you've got something which, you know, vibrates or something and um and that sounded like I was being making fun of. I don't really know how the physics of that are supposed to work, but it is rather like if you touch something that touched a saint and you've got it now, 
that saint listens to you. It's a whole lot of stuff. So let's wrap this up. If you want to study relics, the hunt for relics, the history of relics, it is fascinating. Sometimes it's very touching. At other times, it's very hilarious. Sometimes it's very heartbreaking the way these were used to scam so many people. That said, if you want a bit of Jesus, don't settle for a bone. Don't settle for a splinter off the true cross, even if you had any way of believing it was a true cross. By the way, what happened to Jesus's cross? They were recycled. They were used again, or they were torn down and used in building homes and such. You didn't leave the wood there that's too valuable. So there was no way three crosses are laying in the dirt under that chapel. They would have been used to build the chapel. So if you want a bit of Jesus, believe that he is the Christ. Be baptized. Go all the way. Come on. Let's be immersed in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then you will have Jesus, not just a bit of him. But if you want more bits of him, love one another. Visit prisoners. Give to the poor. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Visit the sick. Care about people. Then you will have all the bits of Jesus you could possibly want. And he will fill you and fill you because you just don't have a bit. You have him. All right. Hope you enjoyed this. Have a great, great, great day and week. And we'll see you next Monday, unless we see a midweek Bible classes, which are worth having a look at as well. I think I know the guy that does them. He's okay. Cheers.